and welcome to episode 21 of the Saladcast for this season. With myself, Ollie, and Glyn. How are you doing, Glyn? Uh, very excited, Ollie. Um, yeah, we've had our Christmas break, haven't we? Um, we've got back to, to football, and we've had another two games unbeaten, another win and a draw, and Steve Cottrell is leading us a merry dance at the moment. So there's a lot to be happy about in the in the predictions for 2021 at the moment, isn't there, Ollie? And it's it's exciting to think about where the, the sort of limit of this season could be, and I'm sure we'll get into that over the next few weeks. But yeah, looking forward to the season with positivity, which is crazy compared to over a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's crazy to think that um, Steve Cottrell took charge on the 27th of November. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you'd asked if we'd done, you know, if you and my had put some tweets out getting some gauge reaction of the January, January transfer window, mm. I think most fans would have been pretty scared yeah. about what might have happened and what money might have been spent. Well, we were panicking, Ollie. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we were panicking about the future of our club in League One and, <laughs> you know, decisions and um, recruitment. But now, like, everything is positive. Off the field is positive. On the field is positive. Um, so, yeah, it's just really refreshing. And it's just, I don't know, it just gives you that, uh, Steve Kotcher keeps talking about this warm fuzz in your belly. But, mm. you know, after a game, and also you will talk about that after the, the Blackpool game when you walked home um, yesterday. But, yeah, it's just so refreshing and just so nice watching your team win. Yeah, I'd agree with that, actually. It's interesting what you say about the post-match interview, Blackpool. It summed up quite a lot of things for me. But the one word which I'll say we, we come to in a minute is, is appreciation. And I think it's, you know, there's a good feel-good factor out there from the fans and everybody, but it's almost certainly starting to be replicated by Cottrell. You know, he's very appreciative in that interview, which we'll get to. And I think that's the sort of thing that, you know, really gets fans to buy into what's going on, doesn't it? But He's smart, yeah, he? Exactly. He, he just knows. Like, I'm not saying he hasn't been insincere. No. Um, but he knows when to to kind of to you know to not place the audience, but you know, but to get the fans on his side. He's, he's a, an experienced manager. He's very nice. That's, that's not being negative. No, no, he's very nice to Danny as well. So um, yeah, the whole yeah. thing is very good, isn't it? It's two games to talk about this week, Ollie. Obviously, Wigan um, away, um, continuing our run of away games. We obviously the Sunderland game got called off, didn't it? Um, and then yeah, we were back home looking for our first win against Blackpool, which we we found. So yeah, obviously a lot gone on this week. Um, we've also got a lot of news to talk about as we get into the January transfer window, COVID issues, players disappearing, all sorts of things going on Ollie so it's a big busy podcast and um, we might go on for a bit but um, yeah let's get straight get into that first game mate Battling well for possession this is low good pace from low and onside here it's Dwayne Darby oh! So first game this week to cover was the 1-1 draw at Wigan Athletic. Um, yeah, fourth away game in a row because the Sunderland game had been called off. Um, and that did give us a little bit more time, Ollie, didn't it, to sort of um, prepare for this one, which I think we needed after quite an intense period. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I suppose the scoreline was 1-1. Um, we couldn't continue that winning run of, of three wins in a row. So yeah, uh, 1-1, goal from Keane, which was a penalty for them, Will Keane, and Wally scored on 66 minutes for us. So only real difference, Ollie. I'll run through the team quickly between um, the, the last away game at Doncaster and this one was um, Goss was suddenly out injured I think he got a, a tight calf which is going to keep him out for four to six weeks which is unfortunate when he'd just about re- salvaged his return career I suppose under under Cottrell but um, yeah Zamberic came in for him so that was the only major change so Sarkic starting goal um, Williams Ebanks and Pierre with a back three uh, Miller and Daniels as the wing backs Norburn Vela um, sitting deep in midfield with Zamberic in the 10 and Wally and Clark up front. Oh, I suppose I should say, yeah, Clark was the other change, wasn't he? He came in for a doe, um, who was on the bench. So, yeah, only the two changes really continues that pattern of fairly consistent team selection, Ollie. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, and, yeah, it's a positive, but then there's also the negative aspect of that, which I think played its part in the second half of the Blackpool game in terms of tired legs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was pleased to see those team, those players come in. 
Um, yeah, good to see Clark and good to see Zambrek as well. Uh, to see, we haven't really seen enough of him, have we, um, to form a, a valid opinion on him, I don't think. No. Uh, and, you know, we, we had a disagreement about his first half performance, and we'll have a <laughs> chat about that at half time. But yeah. I would say over the course of the week, he's actually done more than enough to, to warrant um, further consideration in this squad going forward. And interestingly, you know, we, we'll, we could talk about it in Sound News, but it just leads into it now, so I might as well say. But we sent back, obviously, um, Marlon Fossey and Scott High, um, Ollie, which um, yeah. you can have a say on later, or you can have a say on now. But interesting, we didn't send Zambrek back. So, you know, it makes, it makes me feel like Steve Cottrell sees a little bit of something in there that might be worth persisting with at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. Um, I listened back to the pod. I didn't actually share my opinion on, on Tracy and Sambarek. Yeah. Um, so I could be a bit of an after-timer. <laughs> but, I, but I think I probably would have said before that I wasn't really too sure. I guess I would have used the, the seal of quality that is Brentford mm. and suggested that he's a good player because of that. And also, in fact, he plays for Czech Republic youth team, which um, you've got to be pretty good to do that, I think. Um, but yeah, but again, also at the same time, you know, not many fans have seen him play. So if you haven't seen him play, you kind of wonder why. Um, so yeah, really good to see him perform well. Yeah, I, I certainly think he came into the game in the second half. But um, yeah, interesting as we're sending people back on loan and obviously reshaping the squad. That's already started this week. But um, we can maybe talk about High and Fossey a little bit later if necessary. Might not be <laughs> might not be necessary. But yeah, you, you initially uh, obviously we weren't at this game. It was an away game and no away fans are allowed. And uh, I saw your first gripe, Ollie, before the game even started. The pitch. Yeah, the pitch was just atrocious. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know, you know, it's 2021. I think if you're going to play rugby on a football pitch, you need to have one of those synthetic pitches, you know, the plastic weave in the grass. Because um, some of the pitches we've played against, I don't know if anyone plays rugby on MK Don's pitch, but that was a disgrace. Um, and Wigan's pitch was just terrible. Um, the difference, like, it, it turned to a, a darker shade of brown as the game went on as well. Yep. Um, it was just a disgrace and it was really hard to play football on. Um, but I thought, um, despite that, um, Shrewsbury Town started quite well. Um, we won two corners in the first two minutes, um, and yeah, we were we were doing quite well. But I think this was a, a, probably maybe a summary of the whole game. You know, we're in an advanced position, a crossing from Daniels, but finds no one. It was, yeah, it was a different game. You know, obviously we played against teams at the top of the league um, who are in high form and all that kind of stuff, and we played defensive counter-attacking football in this game we had over 60% possession in the first half and it was a different challenge wasn't it Glenn? I mean yeah the game felt really slow to me particularly in the first half and, and certainly we were disjointed going forward Ollie you're completely right to, to point that out which is an odd one really uh, you know Clark obviously coming in and changes the, the nature of how we play doesn't it Ollie um, you know with Wally and the dough up front we're, we're trying to get it into their feet hold it up and then get them to turn and play it to another player you know as we'll talk about during this first half we relied upon the long ball a lot didn't we um, and, and we, we sort of made Maybe saw Clark as a an obvious outlet, um, and it, but it looked like that was the instruction, didn't it, Ollie from from Cottrell? It was different approach. Yeah, I wonder, well, it's an interesting point. Was that through design, um, or was that through just the players kind of reverting to that type? And we don't know, obviously, don't. Uh, but certainly we did play a lot of um, long balls in the first half. Um, I think between um, I think between the back three, they played something like 20, 25 long balls. Yeah. Um, which is quite a lot of long passes up, which none of them really kind of found a man. It didn't really work, did it? No. Um, and I thought, yeah, we started passing the ball for quite a bit. And it wasn't really until about 19 minutes into the half that we started doing those long balls and we kept conceding possession, which is frustrating. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, we don't know when you're right. How, how do you kind of 
figure that out. You know, the the thing is that we played completely different second half. Is that because yeah. he made a tactical change at half time, or is it because he got out the lads and said, "Look, you you know, let's let's go back to what we were doing. You know, go back to playing football. Don't just keep relying on the long ball." We'll we'll never know, I suppose, unless someone in the press asked the question post match, and I don't, I didn't see that question asked, so we we don't yeah. know. But it certainly was different to those away wins we've had recently. Um, but you know, we had more of the ball, so maybe there was the the nature of that. But yeah, we just struggled to get things going, didn't we? The crossing was was very poor. Um, the final balls we had were that poor. one chance. Yeah. Didn't we? Which you weren't you weren't so happy with him, Clark. So we had a defensive Ugh. clearance collected by Worley to Zambarek, who played a nice ball out to the left, and then Daniels crosses for Clark. Um, I thought it was a tough challenge, mm. but you you were you were of the same opinion. I don't know. I think I just I'm holding him in a slightly higher regard. <laughs> Maybe I should because of his experience at other clubs and you know regular goal scoring record and, and terrorizing teams at, at divisions higher than us. So maybe I'm being a bit harsh, Ollie. You're probably right there, but yeah, you, you, I'm expecting him to take one of these chances at some point when he gets a chance because you know he's only scored the one goal so far, hasn't he? Away at Wimbledon in, in the last minute, so um, I'm, I'm expecting a bit more outcome from him. Um, and, and we didn't get it, but yeah, maybe, maybe I was a bit harsh there. But you just just expecting him with the quality to turn one of those half chances into something that's a bit better but we're not quite seeing it at the moment and I don't know overall I wasn't overly impressed with him in this game Ollie um, just as a, as a no. summary he's he wasn't quite at the level he's been at when he's come off the bench or I think it was a game he started a couple of weeks back wasn't there um, before he got injured where he looked decent but I, I, I'm wanting to see a little bit more and I think I'd probably say similar to the game against Blackpool where he came on did a bit and you know helped us see the game out but I don't know I'm, I'm, I am expecting a bit more from Clark and I'm, I'm hoping as the season progresses he gets his level up like a lot of the other players I've yeah, I think that's fair. I think, you know, he's a player that's come from a Premier League, you'd expect him to perform better than a doe who's come from non-league. I think mm. that's a fair summary. He hasn't scored a goal in open play in the league yet. Um, but I guess he's he case started, then he got injured, then he came up. But uh, yeah, I don't think there was too many. Like, there was, when we get to our top three, it'll be interesting to see who we've put. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't the same as last night in terms of standout no. performances. And obviously, I think a striker will, will feed off the service he gets. Um, but it's interesting, I watched this, um, this first half back um, because of the discussion. I was really interested in, to, like, to what, see what happened. Yeah. And one thing that surprised me the most, I didn't really notice this in real time, was how much time-wasting Wigan did. Yeah, no, Every great. goal kick, every throw is really, really slow. And it's really interesting. Uh, maybe I'm a bit of a loser. I always enjoy watching it back because you just see loads of little things that you don't often mm, see mm. in real time. And yeah, Wigan were really slow, and we played with a, with a um, slow and tempo. Um, poor, yeah, it was a poor half of football to watch, wasn't it? In all honesty, yeah. and, and and they were wasting time. But they they looked like a team devoid of confidence, um, and we looked like a better team, just not quite kind of finding that rhythm that we'd had in some of the other games in terms of putting things together. You know, if we'd have put a good performance in that first half, we probably would have been ahead, but didn't happen, did it? There was there was a couple of moments where you know Sarkic spilled across didn't he um, managed to jump on it second time which stopped them from having a, a better chance um, and then I think 22 minutes we had a decent chance where, where Miller did well didn't he um, where he kind yeah. of there was a nice little bit of play down the right he used his physicality and managed to sort of hook a, a, a chance on goal which keeper save well to be fair but it wasn't really much happening there was a few penalty shots on Wigan they they went down a little bit too easy for me in the box Ollie I thought yeah, I think I think the one of um, from Williams Campbell. where he did like a pullback or a push. Oh, I yeah, think yeah. that was that actually was... a penalty. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, we have been a little bit lucky. I think <laughs> you thought there was a few in the Doncaster game as well. Um, but yeah, I thought that one was a bit lucky. But yeah, you were right. They went to ground very easily. Um, there was a few times where um, you, you quite rightly pointed out that Sandbrook gave away a few fouls. Yeah. And I say it was the same kind of kind of category here, where you know a little touch and they went down very quickly. 
yeah, there was a lot of niggly fouls from both sets, both sides, wasn't there as well? It just broke the flow of the game. So we're labouring on this first half. There wasn't really much going on. You could no. talk about, you say, the midfield was possibly getting bypassed. Um, the defences, the defences, long balls were just not not accurate or, or good enough, really. And the, and the front players struggled to get in the game. I thought Miller and Daniels did well getting up. They were probably the, the two most impressive players in that first half. But um, other than other than that, there wasn't much to talk about. It was a couple of good counters, wasn't there, where Miller got up and just released a, a Norburn, but it was a poor cross. That was about it, really. Uh, yeah, just yeah. doesn't doesn't really worth considering more. There was a few more positive things to talk about in the second half, though. To be fair, yeah, but yeah, let's have the discussion <laughs> on Sambarek because yeah, there was quite a, there was quite a heated debate um, with lots of people, um, kind of on, on both sides of the camp, and um, kind of having this discussion. It, it went on lots of different threads. So yes, yeah, so I was saying I thought Sambarek was. Um, was not influenced the game so much because he wasn't getting the ball. Uh, but you were you were you weren't so happy with his positional play. I, don't, I suppose it wasn't just me because, as you say, it was people discussing it yeah. all over the internet. And I think that the, you know, most people's valid opinion, um, as far as I'm concerned, was that he didn't play very well first half. And maybe that's an expectation. He's a young lad making his way in League One. He was playing in a game where we played a lot of long ball. Um, but for me, you know, there were times where I felt like watching the game, and I haven't watched it about you, where he didn't take up positions where he could particularly help the front two. Um, there, there seemed to be times where we, we did eventually get it in midfield um, and the reason it went backwards is because as the 10 he, he was hiding behind other players so you know that's what I felt like watching it first back um, clearly a lot of other people thought that because it was it was sort of a bit of a prevalent um, opinion online but you've gone back and you've you dissected it Ollie which is fair enough it's within your will to do it but um, to me I just I don't, didn't think he influenced the game but that's not me picking him out you know on the night uh, when we were talking about it on Twitter you know I don't think that anyone really influenced the game for us first half but um, yeah it just happened to be one of those things where we just agreed on it I suppose but um, yeah I don't know you've got a different view haven't you you think he did take up better positions and, and tried to do what he could uh, considering how we were playing I suppose yeah I think it's worth noting that when we're doing defensive throws and again these are the kind of things that you kind of the details you, you, you spot when you're watching it back when he's doing defensive when we're doing defensive throws it's his job to cover the flank and go in front of the fullback um, the wing back so he's going to be in a defensive position there um, I wouldn't profess to be an expert at number 10 but for me when we were attacking and uh, he was always quite close to the strikers and sometimes when we were playing long balls or counter attacks sometimes he even went beyond the strikers and which actually surprised me I didn't actually notice that in real time um, and I would say I guess my, my overriding point about this is I think a number 10 needs the ball to feet in the final third to influence the game and I thought it was quite interesting in the first half he had 10 touches but in the second half, he had 24 touches mm. because we changed our approach. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Ollie. I, I just, you know, watch it on the night and you watch the flow of the game. There were times where I think he could have tried to pull out and, and maybe make himself the option so he received the ball at feet more often. But I, I agree with you. A lot of it was going over his head. He can't really though. do too much about that. But there were times when it was in midfield where you could have showed a little bit more. But I'm not so bothered about this anymore. You know, it was aggravating, <laughs> aggravating me at half time of this game. But as the rest of this week's gone on, <laughs> I've been less and less worried about it because, you know, he's shown more in the second half and definitely showed more on uh, against Blackpool to, to show me that, um, you know, it's. Uh, it, it's it's worth persisting with him. So yeah, it was one of those things at the end of the half. I think it's worth going back and looking at these things, Ollie. I, I always appreciate you doing that and, and kind of bringing your thoughts to it. But um, yeah, if he'd have had another stinker against Blackpool, I think I would have been arguing that he's someone to send back. But I'm not going to do that now. I think he's he's worth persisting with. And um, yeah, we we will we will have to watch games back a little bit more, I suppose, sometimes for you to to see whether I'm wrong about everything, Ollie. But um, um, but yeah, it's worth doing. So I don't know. There we go. I'm not sure whether we agree or disagree. But you know, there we go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think we've just got different opinion on it, um, so which is fine. And it would be a bit boring if we both agreed all the time. Um, so second half, um, I thought we completely switched off the long balls, clearly in short from the manager. Totally different. Uh, so we switched that off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought we were much better uh, starting to play through balls. Um, Wigan had a good counter. Um, we didn't win the midfield battle, which is rare actually at the, at the moment. Uh, Williams has caught the wrong side of his man and then he clips the forward. Um, any complaints on the pen? Yeah, I thought it was a pen on the night watching it on the old iFollow, but obviously I'm hundreds of miles away, so it's difficult to judge. You know, it looked to me at first like he, he just is it's his it's his feet that had clipped the back of the defender, to be honest with you. But yeah, apparently it was more arm involved as well. So I don't know. I mean, you know, it looks looked like minimal contact, but even if it was contact, you know, it with VAR it probably would have got given. So I wasn't too worried about it. It was one of those clumsy ones, wasn't it really? Yeah, it was clumsy. Yeah. Poor positional play, poor yep. all overall. It was one of a rare lapse in defensive organisation yeah. from yeah. the team. Um, but yeah, um, but um, it didn't take too long. Uh, you know, we we came back. Um, we started playing well. and didn't drop our heads. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a free kick taken quickly to Ebanks, a ball in the box, and to Miller who fired at the keeper. That was a good effort. Yeah, um, and then uh, absolutely superb uh, build-up play. Uh, so it starts to Ebanks who, who pushes forward. He passes to Miller, uh, who gets to Zambrek, who drops back into a bit of space. Really good bit of play from him. Yep, and then he plays an amazing through ball on his left foot to Worley who turns and then shoots on his left foot and you know if, if you'd have told if you were watching that game and you'd invite a friend and you say oh that guy used to be a right winger you would never have thought that it was a striker's finish no it's funny I said that on the game at Tuesday to someone who was sitting socially distanced away from me I sort of shouted down the co- ro- sort of, um, road to them about how Wally's doing really well in that attacking position and there's an argument to say of all the people that are playing up front at the moment he's doing the best you know he's clearly scoring a bit more regularly than a doe he's probably offering more than Clark does and he's light years ahead of what Cummins has been offering in recent years and he's he's playing out of position and to be fair to Wally in his time here he's played on the both wings right wing back played left wing back a little bit he's now played up front Front. He's played the ten. You know that is the sort of field. A yeah, of played, weeks ago. yeah. It, it does show as well that the guy is just League One quality footballer, isn't he? And you know he's got that maturity and, and flexibility now. He's playing so many different positions, and I, I can't speak highly enough of him at the moment. Particularly in this run under Cottrell, he's really been one of those senior players that stepped up. And yeah, good good ball in from Zambrek. I'd say that, and and the, and the way that he finished was fantastic. Just like the composure for that goal where he rolled it through the keeper's legs at Doncaster, wasn't it? So he's doing really well. Um, got a lot of time for Wally at the moment. And um, he's in my top three. So, yeah, but brilliant. We, we obviously we did really well to get back from being behind quite quickly. Um, and it looked like we would be the only team to really go on and win it, I thought, Ollie. Yeah, it's a real shame we didn't get that second goal. Guide. Yeah, um, yeah maybe a bit of a foul win because, you know, they put a quite a strong, um, you know, yeah, they did well yeah. to help to hold us out. Um, There's a couple of good chances. Uh, Williams overlaps and headers, um, Clark headers wide. Yeah. Another opportunity wasted. Um, and then some really good. T- I thought it was interesting actually. I thought Clark did really well pressing and tackling. He's better second um, half, yeah. That was good, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Wigan had an effort in the box which they really should have scored from. So, while we dominated and we did have some good chances. I can't really begrudge a draw here in no, this result. No, especially having had one, th- three games away from home in a run against you know excellent teams. You know it's a shame we didn't kind of put that we can't beat any of the worst teams in the division record away for the moment. But we'll get another chance to do that at some point, Ollie. But um, you know Wigan were robust in those last 10-15 minutes. They probably battled and, and defended well enough to to get their point that they really need at the moment because they're struggling, aren't they? And all in all, I thought it was another decent point on the road. You know, if we'd have lost three in a row, it would have been a bad result. But we've just won three in a row, so going away and getting a, a, a fourth game undefeated on the road is fantastic, really. So, yeah, could have won, but a point was was more than enough for the run into Christmas and, and left us in good good spirits, didn't it? 
Yep, definitely. So who did you go through top three? I, th- I thought it was quite easy. I mean, we haven't mentioned these these players too much other than Wally, but Ebanks was a colossus again at the back, um, continuing to just slightly outshine the other two for me at the moment. And he's definitely having his breakout season of, of the back three compared to Pierre last year and maybe Williams a bit before that as well. But yeah, he's just brilliant, wasn't he? Won all his headers and dealt with a, a quite a, a difficult forward line that they had at times. Um, to me, Wally, his composure, playing out of position, the goal, all fantastic. His work rate, selflessness, brilliant. I said I mentioned that, and then for me, we mentioned him in some of the moves, and it's interesting. He probably was involved in a lot of our attacking play, um, maybe the most he has done in his time at the club, and obviously probably had more of the chances um, on goal than anyone in the team as well. But Matt Miller, um, another game where he showed why Steve Cottrell has come out in the press this week and said he, he wants to sign him, Ollie. And um, yeah, we'll have to see how that that goes on. But he's definitely now done enough, I think, in Cottrell's eyes to warrant a, a contract, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I actually don't know if you saw the tweet I put out um, about Miller where I compared his um, Lincoln performance and his um, and his Wigan performance. So his pass completion against um, Wigan was 77% versus 43 against Lincoln. Um, he put two crosses in the box against Wigan and none against Lincoln. And he won the, th- the ball three times against, um, against Wigan and, and he, he did it once against Lincoln. So for me... You know, he he looked better. I thought. I thought he looked more composed on the ball, and and that came out in the stats. And yeah, you know, we keep talking about. I always keep talking about the, the you know the James Collins effect. Never write a player off. Um, and I thought, yeah, it was a really good performance, and it's no wonder the manager then said, um, you know, I'd like to sign him because you know we always talked about his aerial threat. We also talked about his, his, his athleticism, and also his pace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for him to then do better on the ball and do better at tackling, they were the two things that were really missing for me. And it just shows that, I don't know, is it coaching or is it a bit more comfort? Or I don't know, lots of things I imagine has contributed to his improved performances. Bit, bit of everything, you know, settling into league English football still. You know, we're only in December still. We're only four months into the season and um, it is completely different to Australian level football. I'm, I'm almost certain of that. And yeah, you want to see players improving under Cottrell, particularly the ones that are kind of making their way. You know, we're not going to see too much improvement out of Wally because we know what we'll get and probably the same with the, with the three centre-backs but you, you are starting to see all players have their level increased and Miller's, Miller's definitely one of those as well so be interesting to see what happens because we'll talk about Miller when we come to the Blackpool game in a bit more detail because of some other issues but um, yeah I think that's a, a fair top three and, and I say you, you've gone for the same haven't you? Yeah, yeah same top yeah. three as you yeah. I, I couldn't disagree with that Fair enough um, Good So what did the manager say? Um, yeah second half he thought we deserved um, all three points um, no complaints on the pen um, and on the goal, yeah, great move, lovely mm. passing, grace touch, lots of positives come away from today, a different challenge. Um, he's pleased with the draw as much as the away wins. Um, he was really pleased with the performance um, from the players. Um, and yeah, he talked about Zambrek not getting a lot of um, opportunities as mm. a lone trigger we need to look at, um, but to fair play to him, he did really well. Um, and yeah, he went on to say, yeah, Zambrek, he thought, had a really good game. Um, he's getting a good grip of where he is with things, and that's just not him as all players. Yeah. Um, and then yeah you know he said he worked on a lot of stuff and it's good to see it um, and he mentioned that um, the assistant manager um, Aaron Wilbraham is, was away yeah. because he, his daughter was um, near someone who tested positive for COVID <laughs> right. um, and he said he's up to his neck in videos and he says he's absolutely loving it um, so that's always good to hear that mm. someone's enjoying their job and obviously it's a first change for him um, so we missed him on the sideline but yeah good to see he was back for the Blackpool game 
Yep, another another good good listen, another good interview post match. It's just worth really touching on this, Ollie, because it, it, it's the Aaron Wilbraham and will lead into COVID and what's going on with the announcement pre Blackpool. But obviously pre Blackpool, there were loads of League One games off at Blackpool, and um, it's starting to become quite an issue. In, I suppose in terms of fixture fixture scheduling and and the issues that a lot of teams are having, calling three games off in a week because of COVID outbreaks. And um, obviously we've had our first one now. What what do you make of of everything going on in League One at the moment and the problems it's going to cause? It's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? You look at the league table um, because there's some teams. I always think of Accrington Stanley have played the least number of games. Um, so yeah, you've got yeah you've got teams on 19, um, 20, 17, 21. So Milton Keynes have played twenty one games. So Burton Albion, mm. which is not good for them because they're bottom. They're terrible. Um, but then yeah, but then you've got like teams like Bristol Rovers, twenty first, who have played three games less than, than us. And if you know, it's unlikely they'll win all three. But if they win all three, they would go up to. 28 points which is 11th and then you look at Acton Stanley who only played 16 games so yeah the league table um, is in a, a bit of a mess and on Covid poor Sunderland are training again um, so I'm really hoping that the clubs can stay as a bubble mm. you know a big bubble and just carry on because one I yeah I, I really miss football <laughs> to be honest um, and also I wouldn't want the season to stop does it become a health issue and it has to happen mm. eventually? Maybe, but hopefully the clubs can keep themselves isolated um, with minimal impact and carry on because I think we all need the football to carry on. Yeah, I mean, we were going to talk about this before the Blackpool game. We might as well keep, keep going now. But obviously, we made an announcement before the Blackpool game, didn't we, to say that one player has tested positive. Um, and then the assumption was when the team came out, and we'll get to get to this game in a minute, but Miller was, was not in the squad. So everyone was assuming it could have been him. But there might be other reasons for that, which we'll get to. Um, and, you know, if it's this more vigorous strain, you, you do wonder whether we'll have a wider outbreak. It's happened at a few clubs, hasn't it, where one player has been announced, and then a few days later, there's been three, four, five players. So we've got to kind of keep our fingers crossed that we don't get a bigger outbreak because we won't be playing any games for the next week or so if, if that happens um, and obviously we, we don't know what will happen today there's potentially going to be announcements of moving people up tiers and Shropshire might go up a tier so it might be that the Blackpool game is the last game we've gone to for a while um, so it, it does feel like we're on the cusp of another sort of I don't know, COVID-ish affected season in a bit more problems than we've had up until this point. So it, it hopefully it kind of settles down and the vaccine starts to kick in in the new year and we get back to a bit of normality but it does feel like these wins, Ollie, and just to kind of set it in context, these wins under Cotter will come at just the right time because it has pushed us up the table. Who knows what you know? EFL could have done about teams and PPG, and I assume the season would have got voided, but we're just sitting a bit more comfortably, aren't we, which is great now. So, yeah, there we go. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it develops this week in terms of, of the COVID issues and football because um, it, it ain't great at the moment. So, yeah, just worth covering that, really, because it, it has an yeah, effect on the next game. Just go on, on. One further comment. I think it's just worth noting that, obviously, we're getting close to 23 games, so halfway through, yeah, exactly. which I think is quite quite key but yeah hopefully yeah I've seen all the people talk about it I'm just like I don't want to know what do you want to think about that because no. I thought the football stopping is terrible it's almost as bad as thinking about my kids are going to be off school next week again so that's <laughs> that's haunting my nightmares at the moment but um, there we go that was it draw away at Wigan um, we shall now move on to another win morning with the corner towards the far post and it is So, Shrewsbury Town 1, um, Blackpool 0. Get in. Um, Mado scored after 38 minutes, so it's really nice to him to, to get a goal. 
Um, and yeah, um, I've got one stat, Glenn, and you've got a load of stats, so I'll do my stat first. Positive um, so, stats. Yeah, Shrewsbury Town um, have scored nine goals in the first half of games, which is lowest in the division, <laughs> which for me, while Cottrell has improved our defensive solidity, I think there's a long way to go to improve our attacking output. Oh, yeah. Um, we're winning a lot of games 1-0, which is fine, um, but yeah, defensive is, is an easier area, they always say, to fix, um, and attacking plays is a lot more complicated. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, it's not a good stat. But you've got some better ones. Yeah, but I suppose it shows that we're doing, doing well in the second half to go on and win games. But we are pretty binary town at the moment, aren't we? We're still scoring like the one or zero goals in games. But you know that defence has become more solid. We look we look a better unit, and it's seen us to, to get wins rather than draws now. So that's fantastic. Yeah, my, my stats are a lot more positive, Ollie. Obviously, we talked last week. Uh, sorry, last week, the last podcast we did about Cottrell's start and how well he was doing compared to other other managers. But um, after seven games now. He's only got one less point than the best ever start to a Shrewsbury Town career by a Shrewsbury manager, which was Arthur Rowley in 58-59 when he took 16 points from his first seven games. Obviously, Cottrell's just one point behind that now. So, you know, right up there with the best starts we've ever had at the club for a manager. Um, And if we were to win on Saturday, he would be joint top. Um, So, yeah, big, big sort of uh, kind of feather in his cap, really, after eight games to have had the best start um, for any Shrewsbury Town manager in the league. So, yeah, nice target against... um, uh, who are we playing next week? God, I've already forgotten on Saturday. Um, crew, yeah, battle of the top two teams in the league, isn't it, in terms of form? But so there's there's a target for him. Um, interesting one here. I thought found this fascinating. When Cottrell took over, we had the least amount of points after that many games. Um, in in League One, in all of our League One seasons in recent years, it was the worst League One season we were having so far. In in terms of the seven eight seven games he's had so far, he's now taken us up to the equal third best League One season that we've had. So we've 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 gone completely up in the rankings of, of how well our League One seasons are going, which is absolutely mad turnaround. That um, obviously we're eight games unbeaten in the league now. Um, only twenty times in the history of the club have we gone better than that. So an eight game unbeaten run is absolutely mad, really, considering how poor we were most of this season. Um, and yeah, there was a nice tweet by that D3D4 podcast, Ollie, I thought was worth mentioning, where they said, Shoes Town League's form, eight unbeaten, four clean sheets in five, four wins in the last five, got our first home win of the season, two goals conceded in the last six games, 13 points from 15, and seven unbeaten since Steve Cottrell took charge. And really, you know, when you read a tweet like that and you see see what we've done since he took charge, the, the turnaround is, is now bordering on crazy, really. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's it's funny. We obviously we talked about it when we signed um, Cottrell. There was two sets of fans who were quite vocal, and um, yeah, there's um, Bristol City fans are good at boosting my numbers. <laughs> so I did a, a tweet that says, "Yeah, what Steve Cottrell's done is unbelievable. It's quite ridiculous, really. If anyone needed an example to demonstrate the importance of a manager and his staff, this is it: the preparation, the game plan, the coaching, the motivation, fixing issues, and building on strengths." And yeah, I think probably more than half the likes for that tweet come from Bristol City fans. Um, so yeah, it's it's it is just ridiculous, isn't it? And his points per game, Glenn, over a forty-six <laughs> game season is ninety-eight points. Oh, we'd win the league. Pro- this, is, this is not just promotion form. This is winning the league no. form. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It is still a small sample, isn't it, at the moment? But why not get carried away by it? You know, there's there's no there's as I say when you look at the starts all managers have had to this club, and even the you know historic runs, eight games unbeaten. These things don't happen very often. So, you know, we are in a very very good period all of a sudden from from absolutely nowhere. And I think that's what it is: is that you know we have these periods in our in our club's history. You know, the her season where we went on, you know, I think it was 14, 15 games unbeaten, didn't we? But you know, there was a build to that. There was that first season, Ollie, where he got things solidified and we we got better, and then we hit that next 
next season running. He really recruited well over the summer. That's fine. You know, we go on good runs then. You build to it. But this has come from the lowest air volley. And that's what's so crazy about it is that he's taken over a team that were absolutely gone, looked like relegation certainties, and then put in one of the most historically good runs in the club's history. That is the fundamentally craziest thing about it. And you're right. It comes from experience, knowledge, good management, and the ability to spot problems and fix them pretty much straight away. And and that is, it is crazy, really. Uh, we keep using the crazy and mad words at the moment, but it it, it is something not, one single Shooter fan saw coming, isn't it? Yeah, this, this we used as a question from from, from former um, groundsman Andy, and he says, um, you answer the question first, Glenn. So the question that needs covering, was Ricketts that bad, or was Cottrell that good? <laughs> um, I think it's a bit of column A, bit of column B, isn't it, Ollie? Um, clearly, Steve Cottrell is probably one of the more talented managers we've had in the last 20 years, isn't he, in terms of what he's brought to this club and the experience he's brought, you know, much more than most managers we've brought in um, other than Turner, really. So, you know, to me, that that pays dividends in this division. And we've said it on the podcast since we started that experience in League One as a manager is, is massive and, and would be improved right on that. But I, I do think... On the other end, it does show that Sam Ricketts was a, a manager coming into the game early on in his career, had too much to learn, and League One was a was a, a crucible that he, he really didn't fare well in. And, and as much as he was here for quite a while, there was nothing really to write home about other than exciting FA Cup results. So to me, I don't think that Sam Ricketts is, is, is on the level of a Steve Cottrell, quite obviously. He's probably not on the level of some of the other managers we've had in the last 10, 20 years. But, um, you know, young enough to go away and learn, and that's up to him now. But yeah, he, he just didn't get it, did he? And his tactics, his outlay, we've had our saying all of that I don't think he was a good league one manager um, but could well prove to be a good manager down the leagues and, and work his way back up um, and I'm sure Cottrell's had to do that when he's failed at clubs during his career and, and we're getting the benefit of that now yeah I'd say it's almost like yeah it's a championship we've got a championship level manager haven't we um, and um, Sam Ricketts is earning his trade and was probably a national league level manager and probably left Wrexham too early really um, and yeah, it's and I think I think it's the little things for me which are really fascinating. Um, the fact that he, in this post match, Cottrell talks about um, you know when we have penalties, no one followed in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's True. teaching them and passing those messages on. Um, and then when we can see penalties, we rush in now. And then when we have a penalty, we rush in um, for, for obviously for for good effect. Um, not not only does he not only does he see working on those details, he's not afraid to share them with us. No. It's fascinating, isn't it? In the, is he saying that you know that Ricketts was telling them not to chase penalties in? That's my that's the bit I can't get my head around because I can't. I don't imagine... think he's saying that. I no. think it's for me. It's the details. Yeah, you've got a manager now who spots those things, and I think there's something that we probably missed at the time, and probably it's probably a good lesson for us is that when Dean Red Whitehead came in, came in, I've got it under good authority um, that you know the dynamics in the dressing room and the backroom staff changed a bit, and then Barrow left us in the summer. Um, and I just wonder whether, with his experience, had you know those shoulders things that Pooley talks about on Twitter and the manager talks about um, those little things, whether they would have gone missed um, if Barrow was around. We certainly seem to have the right blend again now. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll go through tough times under Cottrell, and and but I just think that you know you got more chance of him figuring out what's going wrong quicker and at least trying to stem the bleeding. Whereas when it went bad under Ricketts, he couldn't ever stem the bleeding, could he? It was no. it was just that he didn't have the the knowledge and the experience and the understanding how to do that. He probably did as a player, and he would have known what to do. Um, and it would have been so regimented. You know, as a player, go do this, go back to basics, and that's what he tended to do. He would go back to playing his his tried and trusted defensive formation, but that seemed a lot of the time not to be the answer to. Our problems did it so it's a good discussion one we'll probably revisit as every as we said last week every win Cottrell gets and every positive result we get just makes look Sam Rickers look worse and worse which is harsh in some respects but also not harsh um so yeah there we go good good chat pre-match um 
We haven't even got to the team yet, Ollie. So we should just talk about that. I suppose as we're going to cover this game. So yeah, go on. What what were we at in terms of uh, in terms of the the team? I suppose we did. Sorry, I should before we get to the team, we should just announce there was that COVID announcement. So we knew someone had dropped out, and and the biggest change in the team was Miller wasn't playing. Um, but also we found out today that he's been registered for his A League team in Australia. So could be he's on a plane back to Australia for all we know. So that was the the weirdest change, wasn't he, when you run through the team? Yeah, that's an odd one. I did so when I did when I retweeted the club. And I was taught and I wrote about, you know, one change and Miller out. I had no idea about the COVID thing. Um, so that was a bit strange. And then, yeah, there was an announcement that there was a COVID player. But um, this, for me, there's, there's no, you know, let's not, you know, let's not try and guess who it we is. We don't know. I don't yeah. think. And we have no idea who it is. Um, but the fact that Miller's been registered. Um, and from watching Channel 4 TV, I know that if you do go back to if you go to Australia, you have to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel. Mm. So if they do want him back, he needs to go back sharpish. But then at the same time, um, maybe it's a negotiation tactic. I think so. Who yeah, knows? yeah. Because you know we've said now publicly we want him, but we don't want to pay as much as we previously agreed. And then obviously the Newcastle Jets team and their fans will want that money because they'd agreed it. Um, so yeah, maybe it's a pressure play on us really. But it's a shame because you know as we just said he's been improving week on week and he played well at Wigan and suddenly we've we've had to kind of he's had to come out of the squad for whatever reason it is, which is unfortunate for for Matt Miller really when he was just getting into his stride. So unfortunate. But go on, run through the team. Who replaced him, Ollie? Yeah, so um, so um, Josh Daniels came in to replace him at right wing back. Uh, the back three was the same: Williams, Ebanks, Pierre, Sausage, and Goal. Um, the tag team of Norburn and Veno midfield. Charlie Daniels left wing back. Zambrek stayed in the number ten role, which was a confirmation that the manager was happy with his, his performance. And then, um, um, yeah, then a doe came in um, for Wally yeah, for Clark. with yeah. Wally. Yeah, I was glad to see those two back together as well from the, the work rate we've been getting from them. But again, we, we'll keep mentioning this for consistent team selection unless there's some major reason a player has to drop out. I've no doubt had Miller been signed on or didn't didn't wasn't one of the players that might have been affected by COVID, I've no doubt he would have started. He just doesn't like changing the team and I'm really enjoying well, it, Ollie. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I like seeing a, a stable lineup, but without being too negative, if you look at the bench, we've got Burgoyne, fair enough. Goldborn, fair enough. Edwards, fair enough. But then you've got Clark, Tracy, Pugh and Cummings. That's not a balanced bench, is it? Um, so I think while it is a positive that we're having the same team selection, I would suggest that if, he, if we had a few more central defenders and midfielders um, and wing-backs, there'd probably be a few more of those positions on the bench. I'm almost certain we'll see those players come in, Ollie, and they'll be continuing a continuing purge. You know, like we've seen two players go out this week. I say High and Fossey have gone back, and I suspect Ilyev will follow him out the door, and we might start to see movement on the the permanent players. You know, Cummins is absolutely no reason for him to stay at this football club. If there's an offer there, he might as well take it, and we might as well sell him. So, um, you know, that, that's what's going to happen over this week. But yeah, that's not Steve Cottrell's fault, is it? That's the poor balance squad built in the summer that that um, Ricketts presented to us. But in terms of that consistent team selection, I know that the the, the other argument that you have is that we tied in the second half because we're not rotating enough and possibly not making enough subs as well but uh, I don't know I, I, I just think that it's working at the moment and you, you play oh, these lads working. and just stick yeah. with it for the moment but that, but I think there's little choice yes who true you, I suppose who do you replace any yeah. of the back three with um, true. okay yeah we saw Josh, uh, Josh Daniels play um, who was a, a winger um, when he was playing in Northern Ireland um, so yeah lack of cho- options yeah. but again the positives of the same team selection is there to be seen as well um, but talking of positives Glenn this is so rare. I tell you what, Blackpool fans can't like us because 
of the last... Actually, here's, I'll ask you a question. Do you know our record against Blackpool? Yeah, we've not lost them in like 10 or 12 games, 12, something like no. that. Yeah, so yeah. 12 games against them, which goes back to um, 2000s. And we've won nine <laughs> and drawn three, <laughs> which is unbelievable. It's very rare. And the last time we lost to them um, was at home um, at the Game Meadow on the 1st of January 1997, and we lost 3-1. It's, it's clearly getting to Blackpool fans, because I was looking at Twitter last night, and there was one particular guy saying, we're a big club compared to you. We're a big club. And, and it felt a little bit like, can we not just kind of beat Shrewsbury at some point, because it's getting on my nerves? Yeah, fine, they got to the Premiership and you know everything that was going on. But it's never, you know, they were always a small club down the bottom of the bottom of the division like us. A little bit like, I still consider Bournemouth, despite what's gone on over the years, to be a club of similar standing to us. Obviously, you know, five, ten years in the Premiership has helped them massively. But, you know, you have to kind of ride that gravy train when you can and it's changed their club forever, hasn't it? But, yeah, I don't know. Blackpool never seemed like a bigger club to me. They, they might get slightly higher attendances, but other than a little run in the Premiership, they've never really done too much. And they've never won the Welsh Cup, Ollie. So, you know, what, what is it? So, yeah, it's nice to have a bunny club. And as much as it's annoying Blackpool fans, long may it continue, Ollie. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. And um, yeah, you wanted to make a comment about um, the clearance of the pitch. Yeah, it's worth just praising the football club. Um, uh, you know, we, we talk about how well Steve Cottrell's doing, and, and you know, there's a lot of things to be positive about at the moment. Now we're riding through the the, the, the COVID issues and work Brian's been doing and stuff, and, and lots of other things that we do comment on. But you know, it's one of those days where you, you weren't in Shrewsbury. I know you had your snow on the day before, didn't you, down where you live? And it was really, really busy um, with, with snow and quite deep from the photos you sent me. But we obviously had our snow uh, Tuesday morning. Um, and I experienced quite a nightmare trying to travel to play golf at Hill Valley, which is in Whitchurch. Um, got stuck for like two hours on the roads and couldn't really get back near Grint, so nightmare day. Um, but what happened is the snow came down, finished about 12 o'clock, was pretty deep on, on the ground, and then it pretty much instantly froze. So the football club had to clear loads of snow off the covers um, just to get the game on. And, and from everything I'm reading about and, and talking to a few people at the club, it was a bit of a mammoth effort, Ollie. And fair play, all I want to say is fair play to everyone that helped get that game on because it was fantastic for us to go on and get the win. And it wouldn't have happened without the hard work of the of the staff that pitched in and, and helped get that pitch clear. So, yeah, fantastic. Um, it was bloody freezing last night, Ollie, at the game. But, yeah, good effort. Yeah, good effort to get the game game ahead. And, mm. yeah, we don't want to yeah, we don't want to have games cancelled, um, not at all. And, interestingly, um, Blackpool had not played for 10 days. Oh, right. I thought that actually played into this game a bit as well, particularly in the second half. Um, but it was a very open um, end-to-end start to the game, I thought. I enjoyed it overall. The watch was it was a good watch being live there. Obviously, it was a game where we were allowed back as well. I should just mention. I know that you're still stuck in your higher tier, so you couldn't make this one, and you watched it on the stream. But yeah, just nice to be back in the ground again and watching a game of football. It was it was freezing, as I said, but it was it was well worth the experience. And to me, sitting there on the night, um, looking through my fogged up glasses, which is beginning to get a bit of a problem as it gets colder. It was a good game of football. I thought, Ollie, you know, two good teams. I thought um, going toe to toe. You know, both teams would have looked like they were teams at the top of the division. Blackpool looked decent, to be fair, but. We we also gave them a good go as well. So uh, a really good game, um, fast start and a much higher tempo than the Wigan game. That was for sure in the first half. Yeah, I thought we played some of the best um, yeah. um, attacking football under Cottrell so far. And it just shows you that the process he's going through is starting to work. Uh, some of the efforts on some of the good play I thought was good. Um, worth noting, though, that Blackpool had a first effort. That's a good long range effort from Medine, um, which I thought was a, was a good effort. Yeah. 
I'm sorry, I really hate Gary Medine. He's a miserable, <laughs> moaning twat. He's just trying to fight everybody all the time. And if he played for me, I'd love him. Is he Do worse you know than I mean? Marquis, who plays for Portsmouth? Possibly, yeah. I, possibly. But yeah, I don't know. He's one of those blokes that I would absolutely love if he played for Shrewsbury Town. But when they don't play for us, I hate them. So yeah, he just was falling out with everybody. And he got booked, I think, second half, didn't he? And the whole of the town fans in the West End were, were doing the ironic cheers and he because he complained about a, a corner that wasn't a corner. Um, so that was, that was a highlight of my Medine thing. But he had a titanic battle with Ebanks during the game. Um, they were at each other, tearing each other's clothes off. And that's the thing you don't... Again, they're the little details yeah. um, that you struggle to... But I didn't notice that watching on the stream. Yeah. So yeah, you do see a different game completely. Um, but I thought then this, this better play was really nice. And Wally's definitely in form. So chip ball down the wing from Daniels. Delightful touch from Wally. Cuts inside, avoids his man. Um, sets a fella for a decent effort. Um, good save from the keeper, but um, a nice out. It was a curving out. We were right behind it. it made me go, ooh, <laughs> that was a good effort. Yeah, it was. It looked like it was in from where we were sitting in the West End at one point. But um, I, I, yeah, credit to Wally. His movement and his and his um his his sort of forward play was was really good. First half, he made so many good runs. A lot of them that didn't get spotted. To be fair, um, there were so many options on for the midfielders. Ollie with the with the way Odo and Wally moved, and um, there were moments where you thought we could have done a bit better actually in playing a pass a bit quicker um that's not to be harsh on midfield because they were excellent but yeah just so much movement and fluidity in that first half an hour 25 minutes um and and wally was integral to all that a lot of the good stuff we did came through him in the game yeah really good everyone played really well in this yep. game there's no one you can criticize you couldn't think very set very true yeah um, and i thought yeah town then became on top kind of for most of this half i thought um, yeah, and then a really nice bit of play. Um, so Vela to Daniels, um, across is cleared. It comes to Pierre. So we're playing these overlapping for central defenders, pushing <laughs> forward. Williams um, was quite evident in the Wigan game that he was doing that. Um, and then Pierre dribbles into the box and has a shot. Um, good save from the keeper. Um, rebounds and Wally blocks. Um, and at the time I thought, what a brilliant um, goal that would have been for Wally to score because that would have been a different type of goal. That would have been a bit of a poacher's goal. Yeah, it was. It, I couldn't believe we didn't score from that moment. You know, the three chances we had there. Um, obviously, the yeah, the Pierre one was brilliant. He just got his head down, dropped his shoulder, the big centre back, and went past his man into the box. I was like, he's he's brilliant, isn't he, Pierre? He loves loves getting forward and charging on. That's that's the thing I like about him the most. He's obviously a really good defender, but he's not afraid to go forward. There was another moment in the first half where he got the ball like twenty five yards out, and everyone was like, shoot, because obviously what he did against Bristol City last year. But oh, I love Pierre; he's brilliant. Um, but yeah, we were unlucky there, and it would have been a good poacher's goal. Ollie, you're right. It's sort of one where you you want someone sniffing a simple goal like that you know just being in the right place at the right time and, and catching it nicely but what uh, wasn't lucky and as I say it was blocked wasn't it and um, yeah then they went down the other end and countered that's what the game was like Ollie you know we'd have a chance and then suddenly they were kind of countering on us and, and suddenly we were relying on Williams's pace to cover us and word for Williams he, he was really good when they did count against us his pace I forget how quick he is sometimes but he was really good covering people off with his pace well, it's interesting you say that, actually. Maybe, again, we keep going from these Go little on. tangents, which we do. Um, <laughs> Steve Cottrell mentions in his post-match that Vela is slimmer. Oh, really? And it's something that we noted when we had Pooley on, wasn't it? Yeah. About the extra bit of timber that the players have been carrying. Um, and I think all the players look sharper and fitter and probably, um, obviously we don't know this, but probably a little bit lighter on the scales too. I, I think so. I think you could definitely say that. Vela, 
I've been praising him loads in the last few weeks, haven't I, about how much better he's been under Cottrell and um, continue that again last night in terms of his performance for me. Him and Norban, like the Bash brothers, sitting deep now, aren't they? You know, if anything <laughs> comes towards them, they just sort of can get stuck in, fly in. Obviously, they've both got their usual bookings, which we'll get to in a minute, Ollie, but um, suspensions will be coming along the line, I think. But yeah, it was just it was just great. The whole performance in that first half was just lovely to watch. You know, we weren't afraid of that team. You know, how many times have we sat at the meadow under San Ricketts playing a, a team that are even worse than Blackpool and looked like we were afraid and didn't want to attack them and would just sit back and play that negative football. That wasn't the case. You know, Blackpool are a really good team and I think they'll be up there at the end of the season. And we we tried to impose our game. We tried to just get Wally and Ado running. You know, the midfielders got up. Um, Zambrek was decent in this half. I haven't mentioned him so far, but he played some really nice through balls. Um, and, the, and the right and left wing backs, we haven't talked about Josh Generals, they got up really well as well. And, and to be fair, when we are going to get a wing back up... Um, if you play if you play Josh Daniels there, he's a good cross for the ball. You know, he's a natural winger, isn't he? So it gives us a little bit more there as well. So there was so much to like about that first half, and obviously it led up to, to us getting ahead, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And this was a nice bit of football again. Um, so Norburn to his mate Vela uh, into Zambrick, who does a really little deft touch to pass it on to Wally. Wally runs into the box, gets tripped penalty um, yeah. did you think what did you think it was a penalty in real time on the other side of the pitch from us and sort of through a crowd of players um knowing Wally I've seen him dive a few times so I <laughs> wasn't 100% sure but I think you could probably see it better on the stream for this one Ollie but yeah I mean I wasn't going to complain so um, yeah, yeah it was, it wasn't... it's one of those ones where you it's you kind of you don't know only really the players really know how much but yeah it looked like a penalty and the referee was convinced which was the main thing um, I don't know if you noticed this when the penalty was taken. So Ollie Norburn starts his run-up, and in the middle of the run-up, the referee blows his whistle. Oh, right. And I think that puts him off. Yeah, it might have done. Well, it was a terrible so penalty. Think, so so. There's probably a little bit of a delay coming through the microphone to the you know stream and stuff. Um, but for me, it definitely yeah. sounded like a, del- like a delayed whistle, and Ollie maybe went a bit too early. And I think that puts him off. Um, and then Wally comes flying in, and then a doe comes in to score. Didn't notice it. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I'm going to be harsh on Ollie Norburn because I'll be honest with you, he was my man of the match in this game. He was bloody fantastic and we'll get into his overall performance later. But for me, the the best outcome in this situation was for it to end up with a, a doe scoring because the man has put a lot of effort into the last few weeks in terms of improving his game and just hasn't had the goals to go along with it. So to me, as harsh as this sounds on Ollie Norburn, this was the optimal, optimal outcome for me because I really wanted um, a doe to get a goal. And like you were saying, you know, it's a poacher's goal, isn't it? He's done well in following up and just being there at the right time in the right place and finding the finish. And that's what he needs to start doing a bit more regularly. And, you know, we'll have a hell of a player on our hands, really. But p- to be fair to Ollie Norburn, he's been really consistent with I think he missed one, scored ten, something like that. So obviously now he's he's missed. I think he's missed two now, scored scored ten still. Um, but he's been great on penalties. And but but that's got to be the <laughs> got to be the worst one he's hit for us in his time at the club, which is unfortunate. But yeah, didn't matter. Put it in one nil up. And the biggest disappointment on the whole night, Ollie, was that whoever scored didn't go and jump into the snow to celebrate because that was <laughs> begging to be done. And I was very upset that Ado didn't do that. So hopefully this is snow on the pitch on Saturday. We can do it again. Um, but yeah, just a great moment and lovely to get ahead at home. You know, there was obviously the, the less than two thousand there, but a lot of town fans, and it was just lovely to hear a crowd chanting for a goal at the meadow again. Brilliant. Yeah, it was good to hear. Nice to hear. Um, yeah, we had a good free kick from Daniels um, for, uh, to end the first half. But yeah, thoughts at half time, Glenn? What was your kind of where was your summary? Great. You know, it's just so different to be sitting at half time thinking we didn't. We're not just trying to see a game out here and nick a goal late. We're, we're playing football. There was some really nice, and again, second half as well. I would agree, um, even though we tired. Nice passages of passing and moving, Ollie. You know, different little interchange on the edge of the box, and they resulted in chances. Not great chances a lot of the time, but you know, shots wide and little bits and pieces. I thought that the free kicks we 
we look dangerous during the game and particularly in the first half Charlie Daniels looks a real danger still doesn't he from those sorts of set pieces so there was just so much to like about that first half um, the midfield really really energetic and you knew in your heart and heart watching that game we were playing a good team and we were giving them a game and that's all you want to see isn't it yeah we're just so different aren't we it's yeah, ridiculous we keep, we keep momentum at that point um, and yeah it was good I thought it was a good first half performance and shows that we can go toe to toe against a good side in this division um, it just shows the progress that we've made uh, and yeah you talked about yellow cards Vela uh, got booked maybe a bit harshly actually but maybe it was for accumulation of, of tackles and fouls um, he got booked so basically it meant that both Vela and Norburn were both on the yellow which made me a little bit nervous I'm honest considering we were going to likely defend quite a bit in the second half they show good discipline now under Cottrell you know under under Ricketts you know, you know I think it was Vela got a second yellow in the red a few months back and, and Norburn's done that before but you know they showed the right discipline they stayed on their feet as soon as they got those bookings and they were still just as effective so you know they've obviously learned the lessons from maybe some of those discipline issues that they might have had over the years but yeah I thought I thought Vela was outstanding as well um, and praise Norburn as we go on but um, they, they were just great they were the platform to just spring forward from every time yeah, they work really well as a partnership, don't they? Uh, yeah, and I think this was definitely half dominated by Blackpool. I think, I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah, we so yeah, good a good effort save from Sarthrits from a from a free kick. Um, I thought we really struggled to keep possession. Um, I'm not really sure why. We weren't really playing long balls and stuff, but we just kind of really struggled just to get a hold of the ball, um, and we came camped um, in there in our own half. Um, though we did attack though. Um, Good, good chance of Josh Daniels to Vela to Zambra across to Charlie Daniels and forced a good save. That was probably our best chance of the half, I thought. It was. I'll tell you what killed us. I didn't think we started this half too badly. Um, I think we, we came out in that first 10, 10 minutes at least, we still had a bit of legs in us. Um, and obviously there weren't. it was no one you could point out until about 10 minutes in that was tiring. Do you, do you know what killed us, Ollie? It was They made a quadruple substitution yeah, um, yeah. and they slightly changed their, their formation. And from that point onwards, they dominated the game for a good 20, 25 minute period until a little bit later on when um, we... We changed it, and we, we during that period, sorry, when they made their quadruple sub, we made a sub as well, and we went one up front, and it killed us. It, it just was really poor. Well, I thought we were struggling before then. A little I bit, but it was worse after I, that, I, for sure. Oh, I don't know. I thought we were... Oh, I, thought so. I, thought, I thought it was the other way around. I thought we were even worse, um, and that's why he made the change. So at this Maybe. point, you brought on Edwards and Tracy and went 4-3-3, um, just to, I don't know, I guess to give us more support on the flanks. Yeah, um, but he changed it later on, though, didn't he? He put it back. He put two up, and that helped. Yeah, I thought he changed it again later on. So it was almost for me. There was three phases: the, yep. the first part, Great. then there was the four-three-three, three, then he changed it again. I guess there's four parts then. Um, but yeah, we just did. We just really struggled, and I just I, my, my 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 interpretation of why we struggled is because I think we just we were we were, uh, we were, had no juice left in the tank. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I kind of agree. There were definitely three phases. I didn't think we were awful in that first phase. We were terrible in the middle phase. And I thought we, we did better in the final phase, closing the game out. That's what I viewed the second half like. But overall, Blackpool completely dominated the half. And um, we'll probably go home feeling a little bit unlucky because they had some good chances, didn't they? We'll go through as we went on. But, um, but you know, there was effort. There was there was commitment. There was good defending. And, and the back three were, were brilliant during that second half as well. Um, Medine eventually, as I say, got so frustrated, he got booked. And that, was, that I thought, was a really good sign of how we we were dealing with them but yeah we had a few chances you say um Daniels you know forced that good save there's one we flashed wide as well um a couple of corners where the, the keeper didn't look great on his debut um 
yeah, n- nothing really clear cut for us, I suppose. But they had some, you know, I know they're on the agenda, but I remember sitting there last night watching this, and there was a couple of moments towards the end of the game where they, f- I think they flashed across from the right hand side, and it kind yeah. of evaded everybody, just dropped wide, and there was a guy sort of sprawling at it back post. I, yeah. I thought that was a goal from where I was sitting, and when I saw it was behind the goal, I was like, oh Christ, we got away with one there. Yeah, it came in, came in from the yeah, left, that was it. Um, from their left. Um, yeah, and it just the Blackpool player fell to poke at home, and then there was a corner where Medine had a bit of a hissy fit afterwards, and then Anderson <laughs> didn't get the ball. So there was a few times the ball kind of yeah flashed past the post, um, and luckily didn't go in. Yeah, so we got through that tricky period, as I say. They, they defended manfully. We rode our luck a couple of times. You know, Sarkic made some really good saves, didn't he? Um, I say there was one he saved from Medine header, wasn't there? Back post, and that was a really good save, Ollie. And you know, again, when relied upon, that last line of defence, he's been he was fantastic and deserved his clean sheet for sure. Yeah, it did. Um, and I thought then we I thought then we played really professional. Um, mm. At this point of the game, Glenn, um, I got Post-esque. brought to me. Um, no, I was going to say something else then. <laughs> I, um, I got brought to me hot apple pie with oh. vanilla ice cream. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so I did. benefits of watching the game from home. Um, so yeah, and then and this is when we then we just started playing some really nice football, didn't we? To to basically to wind the clock down. Um, that bit of play we did on the left with a back heel from Daniels was really good. He was great. When he kind of walks with the ball, um, you know, when we're trying to kill games off, and sort of he's, he's, he's got really good close control. It's almost mesmerising, and you can't kind of kind of nick it off him. He's really difficult to dispossess with the ball when he's, he's sort of trying to kill the game off. But him and I, I give Clark credit, he did quite well when he came on, and, and Tracy as well, yeah, in helping he close out the game. And those fresh legs were particularly needed, particularly Tracy. I thought he did quite well in that last sort of five, six minute period. He, he got a couple of chances to run down the line and just kind of kept it on the on the right hand side um, during injury time. I remember it was a good good little moment. And you know, as much as they had that one chance you just talked about, you know, I, I thought in in general we defended well enough to have seen the point out um, a little bit like Wigan did to us in, in the game before. So it was it was good, and it just. Yeah, it's funny under Ricketts. Do you think we'd have saw, saw that out? I, I, you know, it did feel like an equaliser was inevitable under Ricketts, and I think a, a lot of people have got a, like a Stockholm syndrome now because it's happened so many times. But we need to kind of put that to the back of our minds now because this team have shown they can see narrow victories out, you know, four or five times in the last couple of weeks, and we should we should think it's going to happen now rather than think we're going to fail. Yeah, it's a completely different <laughs> um, experience watching this team now. Um, and interestingly, you said would that happen under Ricketts? We wouldn't have scored from the penalty. You know, we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have rushed the box. And the dough wouldn't have scored. True. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah. That's those little differences that are, are, are doing well. Um, and yeah, I thought yeah, um, really pleased when the full time whistle went. Um, a few good saves from Sarsic. I thought he had a good second half when he was called upon. Uh, he did well. Um, and yeah, uh, overall, you know. You know, not the greatest game in the world, and I thought, yeah, as I said already, we struggled a bit in the end. I thought, but we got that, we got that win, and that's all that matters. I, I would say again on the night that my reflections from having been there was the crowd helped again, Ollie, and I do think yeah, it's definitely. given a bit of an advantage. Um, you know, to see us over the line in these extra, situations. Yeah, you get that extra little, extra little yard from the players, don't you, and stuff like that, and and also decisions going your way maybe as well. I think those big rousing applause is when someone puts a big effort in, or you know, you see it out for a corner, or we win a free kick, and, and it just relieves the pressure. It gives the referee a little bit of a, you know, kind of a pause for for, for moments as well. He wasn't harrying us to take our free kicks quickly because the crowd were kind of cheering. Still, I, I don't know. It just makes these little differences to me, and and you know, there was a lot of Steve. It's not an Army. That's a good point. That is actually the crowd. The crowd fill those silences. Correct. Yeah. Um, and it's not just a, a, a boring silence. It's a really you, good observation. You can take ten seconds out of a game just from that. And, and the referee, I honestly thought the referee was going to chivvy us on to take free kicks and throw-ins much quicker, and he just didn't. So he did it to Sarsic once. And I once, thought yeah. Sarsic was going to get um, booked, but he didn't. And um, he ran over and gave him a bit of a G on. 
Um, but well, our time wasted was nowhere as bad as Wigan's, and that was in the first half. But there were a couple of free kicks and throw-ins we took absolutely ages over, and he just wasn't asked. It was like, okay, cheers, mate. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting. But, yeah, it just was great. And I'd say there was lots of Steve Cottrell's Barmy Army chanting at the end and a real hearty applause at the end. And, and I say, Dave Edwards was sort of, I think it was a couple of minutes, you might not have seen this on the camera, but a couple of minutes before the end in injury time, he'd come over to the West End and he was sort of giving it the sort of arms up, you know, get going and yeah, you know, kind of cheer, cheer on it. And that's what was happening. It was kind of, you know, the team and, and, the, and the, the fans of there last night trying to see us over the line. So I, I, I saw some Blackpool fans saying, they don't think that it's fair that some teams are allowed fans and others aren't because it's given them competitive advantage. It'd be interesting to see if the season gets curtailed now and fans don't go back, how much of an effect that had just by looking at the games that were on and where there were crowds and how many of those ended up being wins for the home team. It'd be a fascinating study about that to the to the mean, I suppose. But um, I'm not going to work it out, Ollie. But uh, yeah, I do think no, there's, there's I an think advantage. I think it is unfair. Yeah. But at the same time, what do we do? Just stop all football exactly. and just yeah. cancel the league and... So yeah, it's 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 maybe an overtop reaction, but what else do you do? Do you say no fans at all? And then it's well, we, the club can have fans in and not have refunds. So yeah, I just think you know normal rules don't apply this year. And the last thing I want to say on the game um, was obviously again I was there last night in terms of the COVID issues. Fair play to Shrewsbury Town fans. Everybody wore a mask during the game, unless they were eating. And if they didn't, the stewards came up and said, look, you've got to wear a mask. That's mandatory now. And there was normally no problems. There was no arguments that I saw, apart from one of my friends just down the row was being a bit of a pain. But we shan't, we shan't dwell on that. Um, but yeah, in general, everyone was fantastic. And, um, and and the whole thing was brilliant. But I think one thing they might want to just look at, Ollie, and I saw a few fans mention it, and I thought the same, is that during the first few trial games and, and the last couple of games we've had, they've let everybody out block by block. Um, yeah. And it sort of meant that when you're walking out, it's quite spacey as you leave. Yeah, it was um, when I, I went to the trial game. And he did, it didn't he? Yeah. Feel very calm. Worked for that fine. But because it was so cold last night, a mixture of a lot of people leaving early just trying to get home. Um, and then because it was so cold, a lot of people just wanted to go because it was freezing and your, your feet were about to fall off. Didn't work quite so well last night. And also I noticed there was no man with the tannoy speaking to each block saying, you know, you're next, you're next. I think that was missing. And I'll be honest with you, when I left the stadium, it felt like there was a lot of people around me in very close order. Um, and, you know, with everything going on at the moment with this new strain, I didn't think that was overly good. Very, I'm not being partial on the club. You know, they're, they're learning these lessons as they go along and the sports liaison and officers there watching it. I've no doubt that they'll have taken notes and, and possibly will do something different next time. Um, uh, so that's fine. But the funniest thing about everything, Ollie, was uh, some observations of some fans <laughs> in that I why was there certain people in the stadium not allowed to wear masks, Ollie, or weren't wearing well, masks weren't initially. Wearing masks. <laughs> Who were they? The power of social media um, forced the board to, to put their masks on. They should have them on, to be fair. You yeah. know, they're not in a family bubble. So, yeah, look, it, it, Roland and Brian apparently didn't have their masks on at a certain point and it was spotted by a, 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 someone who listens to the podcast. Well, it was spotted and... by quite a few people, actually, on Twitter. <laughs> it was quite a few people who were commenting on it. So, yeah, good to see that they, um, they put it on. Uh, exactly. But, yeah, they, yeah, need, they, they do be. need to lead by example. They, were prob- they have probably been in close proximity for each, with each other for a long True. time. But, but it's all about setting the example. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Lead by, lead by example, that's a good way of saying it. So yeah, you know, we're still doing well, I think, on it. I think you'd still be getting, you know, a nine or a ten out of ten for the compliance with everything that's going on, which is a credit to the, our football fa- football club and you know, even the guys in Safe Standing, you can still see them spreading out enough and that's great. So all in all it's good. But yeah, yeah, maybe just a comment there on some things we can improve for next time. But overall, very good and uh, the burgers still taste nice, Ollie, so you're missing out on those. But yeah, yeah you there missed, we go. You missed Another the win. meal, didn't you? Getting your getting your burger in. <laughs> I know, yeah. Not like I, I need to put any more weight on, but there we go. Um, so I was going to say, we normally view on our position. Sometimes we miss it when we're going long, but I don't mind us doing a long podcast tonight. I would say, Ollie, Blackpool, we're a sort of team that will be up there at the end of the year. They look like one of the better teams we played this season. 
Yeah, they look really well organised. Yeah. Um, obviously, they've got um, um, a manager that we're familiar with because he, he managed the game against um, Liverpool when we played there in the 23s. And he seems like a good manager, doesn't he? Um, Cottrell was very complimentary about um, the opposition. How, you know, they're a good team. They look well organised. They didn't look like... They looked very fresh and ready to go after 10 days off. So, hopefully, that's testament to their staff. And, yeah, you're right. They're a good side, aren't they? And they've got some good players. Well-balanced squad. Got some good lone players, but also some good players of their own. Yeah, beating those three big teams away from home was impressive, but for me this was just as impressive a victory in terms of the, the nature of the opposition because they just look good. But to me, they have a bit of everything going forward. They've got a couple of tricky, pacey, skillful players kind of just off a, a shithouse big man who's tr- who's troublesome at this level. So they've got a lot of ways they can score against you. So yeah, to keep clean sheet, fair play to Shoe Town. Um, but yeah, top three, Ollie, you go first this time. Yeah, so I went for Norman first because he was just the obvious choice. I went for his wingman, um, second, Vela, who was yeah. excellent. And I went for Josh Janels, third, um, because he was yeah. just um, sublime. And you know me, I like my stats, Glenn. Uh, mm-hmm. But for I think for a young lad um, learning his, his games, he hasn't been a professional footballer for long, to come in, to play 66 minutes. Um, he had 70% pass completion and a 100% dual completion. So he won two of his tackles. Um, he also did a clearance and he did two interceptions. Um, for me, you know, that's just a brilliant, you know, start, you know, performance in a league against a good side, um, and it's testament to him and testament to the the backroom staff for supporting him and coaching him through the game. Yep. I don't disagree with that at all, Ollie. As you said before at the start of this game, you know you couldn't really criticise anyone. Even the subs coming on did their role effectively. Um, I thought Dave Edwards did really well when he came on. Um, yeah, was, was he effective did. In, in sitting in midfield and you know joining in Norburn to, to kind of g the rest of them on. But yeah, Norburn was clearly man of the match. And I want to just say something on Ollie Norburn because he's been one of those players I've been very critical of at times and fairly I think because his level can be very very high like last night. Or it can dip significantly, can't it? And fair enough, he's a League One player. We always say that's the case. But you know, he's our club captain. He's been here a long time. He, you know, he'll, he's, he signed a contract extension, didn't he, last year? So he's going to have another year next year. He's a player that is our record signing. I do expect a little bit more from him sometimes. But I will say this now, Ollie. I'm going to probably go off on a slight rant. He showed last night, and, and obviously Cottrell came on to say this about his captaincy. But he was a proper leader last night, wasn't he? He, and I don't know how much of this you can see. He was constantly talking to players around him, geeing them up talking to Vela, um, leading by example on the ball, you know, commitment, drive, leadership, um, you know, all the things you would want to see from a player that's going to dominate a central midfield position. And we, we haven't seen it all the time, but we are starting to see it more and more regular. And I thought he's played well in the last few weeks, but I thought last night was exceptional. He was he was definitely his best performance this season, possibly one of his best performances at the club so far for me. And a worthy man of the match for you and me, Ollie. And you can't speak highly enough of him and how much he's getting back to his very best after a really tricky personal time um, and professional time in terms of how he's playing. And, and it is worth us kind of drawing a line in the sand to say that, isn't it? Yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. For, for me, the standout moments when he won the ball in midfield, he was under pressure, he went back towards our goal, did the um, opposition forward, uh, turned around and then launched a counter-attack. And to do that a couple of times... Um, for me, it was just yeah remarkable. He was he was playing um, a level above everyone else on the pitch. I thought he was absolutely fantastic in not just the dirty work, but and also his actual football as well was fantastic. I mean, we've often talked about what value we've got left in the squad, but you know, if he turned performances like that in for a good ten to fifteen games in a row, you know, championship clubs would come sniffing after him like they did with Laurent and yeah. like they, you know like they did with with Nolan. 
you know, he's definitely got the ability to push on a bit more now. He needs to do what he did last night and over the last few weeks consistently. And, you know, maybe we will have someone we could sell in the summer for 500, 800 grand or something like that. You never know. But, yeah, it, it's fascinating. He has kicked on. For me, my other two, top two were a doe. <clears throat> I thought, you know, just a merit really for the goal and, and the, the cleverness in following up. But his overall performance was great again. Um, and as I said, you gave Vela second, I gave him third. But you could have thrown a whole load of players into the third position um, because everybody put 100% into it. I, I have to say, Charlie Daniels is another one I should mention, Ollie. But I know he didn't get my yeah. top three but Christ he's come on so much in the last few weeks and he is getting better every game fitter and fitter he's a proper proper player he is a luxury Rolls Royce type of player when he's on the ball um, we, we thought he was awful when he first started but he clearly wasn't fit now eight weeks later he's unreal to be fair um, and he's got the legs to get up and down the pitch when he's when he's, when he, when he can do it I know he tied in the second half but I'm just enjoying watching him become a player that we'll probably lose in a few weeks time but you know we've had a bit of, we've had the best out of him during this run and it has helped yeah, he's, 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 he's when he just does little drag backs or he just plays a pass or he receives a ball and control it. It's just that that's the little differences, isn't it, between Premier League and League One players? You know, you know, we sometimes you know you see Sean Worley having you know playing a game of his life, um, and you think, well, why isn't he playing at a higher level? It's all that consistency, but it's also that technical ability. Um, and he was been brilliant. Um, and yeah, talking a brilliant again, another um, brilliant post-match interview from Steve Cottrell, which. Yep. Yeah, it's something that clearly you can tell from Twitter. All the fans are listening and watching because they, you know, they're generally interested. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, go on, Ollie. Go on right through. So it. yeah, what did he say? He said, yeah, we were we're delighted with that from all the staff and the players. And that was for the fans, you know, and they've waited a long time for that. So he was very keen to, you know, say that win was for the <laughs> fans, which goes down well. Um, you know, he thought this performance was a bit indifferent, but we were very well organised. Um, we were outstanding. And it's a very good team. We look very fresh. Um, and his only disappointment really was that Ollie didn't um, score from the pen. And he said he singled him out in the dressing room. He said he hopefully didn't feel too embarrassed, but he singled him out for his performance. Um, and then this is an interesting, interesting kind of um, tangent he went off on. It was I um, wondered why he was selected as captain. Um, you know, you know, he says you always do that when you come into a club. Why is this guy the captain? And he said over the weeks I can see why it was a good selection by Sam Ricketts, and you can see why that happened, um, which I thought was an interesting little um, soundbite from the manager. Yeah, it was great. Another another really good post match interview. Um, fantastic comments. I say, yeah, I, I totally agree about the the Norburn thing. He definitely showed him enough there, didn't he? But yeah, I, I said I mentioned it at the start of the podcast. But the key message that came out of it was appreciation. There was a really nice bit at the end, Ollie, where he talked about how appreciative he was of. Jane Bebb about um, the Roland and Brian and the guys that cleared the pitch and appreciation towards the press, which I thought was fascinating in the way that yeah. they'd handled the COVID situation. He was appreciative of the fans. You know, he, he couldn't speak highly enough of all the people around him with, with the football club to, you know, uh, kind of get us to where we've been now. And he was so modest that it wasn't all just him. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think that's the sort of thing that a Shropshire fan base will fall in love with very easily because, you know, we don't like Paul Simpson, big ego type managers really generally. Um, you know, he sounds like a Shropshire mon. He's got a couple of little rural lints to his voice is it, is, and it is, is, maybe, it's quite is, funny. Yeah. Is he putting is it, it on? The, yeah, maybe, is it, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like the, the Bristol kind of thing as well, maybe from that kind of area, you know, I don't know, maybe it's something, something similar in terms yeah. of um, the West Country. Yeah. Uh, and Shropshire in terms of um, you know a little bit of regional culture um, and maybe he's doing a little bit of prep and warming himself up when he gets that manager a month award 
Well, you should get it now, shouldn't you? I can't, you know, we're top of the form table, um, yeah. joint with Crew, but, you know, I don't think Crew have played as many games as us this month because of um, no. games being off, so their, their run takes them back into November. Whereas, what have we done? We've we've won four, drawn two in December um, and uh, got through the FA Cup. I mean, you know, it should be a shoo-in, really, shouldn't it, to be honest with you, for, for Manager of the Month. But sometimes we've thought that with town managers and town players and we never quite get it. But to be honest with you, there are ta- some town players that should be considered for Player of the Month, Ollie. That was something I was thinking yeah. of because, we haven't had you know... For a long time. If some of our centre backs should be considered for it, and I know centre backs aren't exactly the most glamorous thing for a player of the month, but you could easily make an argument that no one's had a better month in football league one than Ebanks Landell. He's yeah. been great in all six of those games we played. So to me, I think I'd be I'd be thinking he should be involved, but it'll almost certainly go to some striker that scored eight goals because it always does, doesn't it? But um, yeah. there we go. That's my thoughts on manager and player of the month. Yeah, no, really, really good. Um, yeah, and and the ended with transfer, which is a nice segue to salad news. Um, so yeah, he yep. said that um, you know um, you could see he had a glint in his eye. Um, so they talked <laughs> about Fossey and High going, um, and then he said that a couple of players will come in for training before the window. And he said uh, when he was asked by Stuart Dunn about the transfer window, he paused and he said, "Next twenty four hours are going to be interesting." Hopefully they will be, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. We're yeah. sitting here at, what, 11.14 the next day and nothing's been announced yet that I can see. But, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye on Twitter, that's for sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Oh, we'll I missed one thing. What did he say about Vela as well, Green? You can cover this bit out. Yeah, he said he said about Vela and Norman. Didn't he? he said having their having his mate alongside him helps. Um, they look after each other's backs. Um, and he said Vela is our unsung hero. Um, his fitness levels are incredible, and as he said, he looks slimmer. So obviously, you know, it's interesting to know that him and him and um, Norburn are good mates. It doesn't surprise me. You know, both play a similar position and similar ages, the aren't area. they? Yeah, area similar area. Well. Yeah, so yeah, it's good. You know, I think that's the sort of thing that breeds a, a good team in, within a team, doesn't it? And um, yeah, hopefully that continues to build. It's definitely our first choice centre mids. You know, Brad Walker's done. <laughs> still playing regularly and Dave Edwards' legs are only good enough for cameos which he's doing well on I think so um, you know I can't I can't see us recruiting another first choice central midfielder you know we, we'll probably be looking at well, some so. backup I think you need one because we're going to get suspended soon uh... yeah but yeah you, you, you have to rely, you can't have three probably well played paid central midfielders and one missing out every week can you you have to rely on someone who's a bit more fringe um, I suspect we'll bring in someone who's fringe who's probably maybe of a better quality than Walker for example but um, I can't see us bringing in someone to, to play every week ahead of those two at the moment they've done well, it's hard to, for the, I, yeah. I'd say maybe from a cost point of view we probably can afford it but from a, mm. from a, from a verbal point of view from a manager no making point. promises yeah. to an agent yeah it's hard for him to say with a with a straight face, yeah, you're gonna you're easily gonna drop. Well, easily gonna drop uh, veteran and yep, um, Norbert exactly. to get in. No, it's not going to happen, is it? I mean, to me, the the, the strongest position in midfield where you would recruit sensibly, um, as much as Zamberek doing well and and probably is worth persisting with. You know, if you if you brought a really if you brought a number ten in of a quality of Nolan when he was at our club under Hurst, you know we could be in <laughs> could be in some serious business this season. But that's a very hard position to recruit in. You know, I, you know there are players that we've had in that position that have done well, like Conor McElhaney, But can Cottrell go out and find that right little fit there to to sit in front of a strong Norburn and Vela and have a really good three there? I don't know. Zamberic will do a job for the moment, but that would be somewhere I think that if you were really going to make the difference, that's that's possibly where it would be. So we'll see what happens in the next few weeks, Ollie. Yeah, I'm not sure if it is. I, I think it's interesting, Sam Barak, um, you know, in terms of his technical ability, I don't think we could sign anyone with more technical ability for him. Now, the question is, what does he, what does Cottrell want in that role? Yeah. Um, I'd say probably Nolan is probably a bit more physical than Sam Barak, um, in terms of his like, kind of, not so much, yeah, probably getting around the pitch and also in terms of strength because he's that bit older. Mm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what he kind of wants um, in that role. And I think you're right to kind of talk about Brad Walker and, and Edwards, um, yeah, I don't think we get enough from Edwards. Um, 
in terms of you know maybe what we expected. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? He's never going to be a regular starter for us again. But it is what it is. He's come back and he's he's done he's done well enough in some of the games he's played in. Obviously, got a couple of important goals, one in the FA Cup at Bradford. Um, you know, a couple of couple of key goals in other games. He's he's given us some moments to remember. But you know, we, he's he's a waning waning star now, isn't he? And and obviously the physicality and the injury record is going to hold him back. But in the terms of you know a game like last night, there's no reason why you'd want to get rid of him in January. He can come on and use that experience to help us see a game out. And that's if that that's his role and he's happy with that and Cottrell's happy with that I think it'll be fine for the rest of this season and then maybe they'll revisit what's going on um, in, in, in in the summer and see where he goes from there but I think he's got another year left so um, he's not going anywhere anytime soon but yeah Has I he got another up, year left? I can't I remember now I was looking at your BA maybe no, I haven't only got yeah. eight players left He might retire season. Who knows? Um, yeah. But yeah, who knows but anyway, yeah let's get into silent news and um, get into this transfer window Lawrence, Lawrence good ball over the top and Kai Kai could be it again here Kai Kai shoots So, Ollie, Salap News. We, we did have quite a lot on our agenda to talk about Salap News, but we've managed to weave most of it into the general discussion we've had just now on the game. So, you know, we've covered sort of Zamburg in a bit more detail. We've covered Fossey and High going back, haven't we? I think we, we covered that briefly. I mean, you know, are you, are you upset to have lost either of those players, Ollie? Um, I think Holly's a good player. Fossey, I think, is a good player as well. But, I don't know, it's really harsh to, to criticise someone from a, from a physical aspect. But yeah. he's always injured, isn't he? He's, he's injured. Yeah. He got injured when he was at Fulham and, we, and he's injured now. So, I think it's a shame. I did like him. I thought he had something special about him. Um, his physicality, I thought, was good. Um, and maybe there's a player there, but he needs to get stay fit, which is a hard challenge. High, I think. I think High is, is a player at his age um, is a good in a three, but I don't think he would play as that kind of combative six-stroke eight that we have in our midfield. Our midfielders, central midfielders. Um, are really combative, strong. You need to be able to do... You're basically box-to-box midfielders, aren't they, both of yep. them? And I don't think Hyde can quite do that at this age. Um, and I don't think he's really number 10 either. So I think he's a bit of a victim of a change of formation and manager. Um, but um, I think he yeah. had a good career... Yeah, I think so too. Change change of manager more often more of a problem because for for most of the season he would have been above Goss in the pecking order under Ricketts. But obviously with the change of Goss being re-registered and getting his chance straight away and, and finding himself in the first team, he's, he's dropped below Goss as well. So his chances are limited. And it's fair, I think, for Ricketts to set up for Cottrell to tell the loan clubs that he's not gonna come back. You know, he's not gonna get football, and you might as well recall him. And that seems to have been what's done. So we should just note, you know, on on Zambrek, he did talk about him, but there is a, a clause coming up now where we have to make a decision. So. This week will be interesting to see whether we we apply the the clause and, and we keep him for the rest of the week. So, uh, sorry for the rest of the season. So, yeah, interesting to see what we do with the rest of the loan players. But as you said, next twenty four hours will be busy. So, you know, I think we're going to talk about the transfer window. Um, the Miller's one is interesting, Ollie. Um, I had my say a minute ago, and I've said I'd keep him. But you know, obviously, managers made a statement saying he wants to keep him. But that that makes negotiations maybe a bit more tricky. What he said, doesn't it, Ollie? Yeah. So pre match to Blackpool game, he said that he would like to keep him, but. He was quite dismissive of the terms that were agreed already, especially as we we only we hadn't really seen him then as well. What the um, hell had Ricketts negotiated? <laughs> uh, God knows. Um, so yeah, he said he wasn't happy for that. So I think that's probably a bit of positioning. But also for me, that's a nice insight that Cottrell's is going to fight for every penny um, for of our of our budget and money. Um, so yeah, he's keen to keep Miller. He said that he's put that position out there. Um, but he said not on the terms that have been agreed. So Fascinating. For me, I'd say, I don't know, where would you put it? Obviously, not really knowing any insight. We won't pretend to have some insight on this. For me, it's well, 50-50, if you really signs or not. 
I mean, we can only judge it on the player that we've seen and whether we think we'd like to keep him. But for me, I would. And I think he's offering a lot and he's playing really well. So, you know, but I've no idea of the finances involved. If the deal that's been negotiated is stupid, then, you know, it isn't worth us not being able to sign another player because we signed Miller. It's about the manager balancing that squad and getting the best he can out of it. And if he considers that deal isn't financially the best, then then fair enough. So it seems like we've maybe got ourselves in a bit of a pickle with him. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up going back to Australia and playing. I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up at another League One or Championship club. I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up here it's it's one of those things where the negotiation will be key and um got to trust brian and, and steve uh, cottrell and, and his, his recruitment team to to put together something that the, the newcastle jets would be happy with you know maybe they won't, might want to loan brad walker off us or something but you know there's things that can be done isn't there so we'll see what happens but if he yeah. stays i'll be happy if he goes i'll be disappointed but i'm sure there's a justification for him championship though and that's a yeah. talking <laughs> via a, a journalist trying to and it was interesting, Cottrell said, you know, if we have some bids for our players, he'll be telling Lewis Cox that, you know, 10 clubs have signed in. So, yeah, again, appreciating <laughs> the honesty from Steve Cottrell. Fair enough. Yeah, there we go. So that's fine. But, you know, obviously we've got loan players that got to go back. One, one thing in the transfer window we didn't mention, Ollie, is um, which of the contracted players that are really not getting a sniff at the moment might might be out the door in January. And I think we've mentioned it in chats recently that Cummins is probably the, the top of that list, isn't he? But, you know, what do you think about Cummins and what do you think about anyone beyond that, really? Yeah, Cummings just hasn't really worked, has he? Um, hasn't worked at all. Um, I, I just don't see him. I think obviously Cottrell really likes the idea of a goal scorer, but I was, you know, he, you know, he's given Zambarek a chance. Um, he's given other. He's given Josh Daniels a chance. He could have rotated strikers, but he hasn't. Um, for me, I think that alludes to Cummings is probably going to go and probably go to another maybe League One team, maybe even a League Two side. Um, and to be honest. I not really don't really care about that to be honest. I don't think he's shown enough. Um, it, it's for me. It's obviously we don't know the details. We've got no facts to back this up. But managers have alluded to him not being fit all the time or not ready yeah. to play, uh, which is poor for a professional footballer. And additional to that, Ollie, we've got a few other fringe players. Love, you yeah. think he'll be looking for a move? You'd think so. When you think that so, a League Two team would come and poach him up, hopefully we can yeah save a bit of money maybe on his contract. It's not good for him to be just training or training with the kids or whatever. No. And do you think Walker or Ryan Barnett might be under threat? I think Ryan Barnett maybe needs to go out on loan. I don't Mm. quite see how he fits in in this formation now. For me, I saw him as a a winger. Uh, Maybe he can do a job at wing-back, but I'm not sure. I think a loan would be good for him to a League 2 team and then assess him in the summer. But I think his contract actually goes in the summer. Um, And then Walker, I'd definitely keep Walker. I think he's a... I think the fact that he can play central defence in a back three and is decent central midfielder, yeah, I'd I'd be upset to leave Walker. What about you, Walker? I think he's worth keeping as a backup option for this season um, and then seeing where we're at with with Cottrell, whether he fancies him or not. um, That's what I'd probably do with him. But, you know, if someone came in from League Two and said, look, we want you to play every week and and that's fine and it's good money for us, I'd I'd take the deal. There'd be no problem with that. Trust the manager to bring in his new players. There's going to be a big turnover this January. It always is. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of others, I suppose, that you might want to think about. There's Mark Pugh, Ollie, um, who, who obviously is not featuring at the moment. To me, I think he's gone. I don't, I don't think Cottrell wants to keep him. So that's not whether we need to buy him. I just think you know he'll be released at the end of his contract. Yeah, he'll probably go when he will. He'll probably go maybe somewhere else. Um, and I guess then they, they come as they came as a bit of a pair, didn't they, Charlie Daniels yeah. and Pugh? So it'll be really interesting to see. I imagine Charlie Daniels has got aspirations for playing the championship, and he's I no, agree. he's no match fit. So I think. Yeah, maybe we've done him a favour there. Um, it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see how that one plays out. I'd like to keep him, um, but yeah, now he's fit and we've kind of got him fit, it'd be a shame to lose him. 
It would. If we could convince him, that would be grand. And to be fair, you know, if he goes now, we've got enough out of him to say it was oh, worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's been part of this good run. And, and a I big know part he hasn't it. been on way crazy wages. Yeah. I know yeah. for a fact he's been on the same as everyone else. So I think it's been a good deal for us. And then the last one, Ollie, uh, which is maybe a bit harsh because he's been injured, but you know, I was never overly convinced he was a League One st- standard. Is obviously, and this was a Ricketts player, is Ricky or Pike? You know, I think he's still injured, so it'd be difficult to move him on. But you know, I, I can't imagine. He's got years controls. left on his contract. Oh God, don't he? He's on number nine. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? But yeah, well, I don't get I, it. I understand why you, you've got that opinion. His record in CV <laughs> doesn't look great. We haven't been really awful. seen him play to form a valid, valid opinion. But yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see when he comes back. I don't know when he's back. There hasn't been, I don't know, I think it's just because there's been so many games. Um, yeah. but there hasn't been a lot of discussion about some of the injured players. So it'll be good to get a bit of a, a, a recap in one of the press conferences soon. It's yeah. unclear where, um, where Walker, when Walker's going to be back and also when Pike's going to be back. Okay, there we go. So that's it on, on sort of out, outs as well. I suppose the last question then before we wrap this one up is what do you think we need um, in, in terms of, of players coming in? Um, and obviously it depends on what we get out, but you know, where, where's your keys at the moment, Ollie? And we had a, a comment from Lewis Jones uh, who listens to the podcast. Um, just a thought regarding another keeper. Cottrell will want someone comfortable on the ball playing out from the back. Don't know if Fielding is a similar style to Sarkic, um, but would assume that that's the type of keeper we wanted. And we're talking about Frank Fielding who we played under um, Cottrell at Bristol City. And, you know, might be a name that is mentioned, but yeah, what what are your thoughts about incomings and, and maybe field fielding? Yeah, I find I find I I, I like Sarsic. I think he's a really good goalkeeper. But yeah, Lewis just was like bang on the money there, and it was really timely that he said that before the game as well because I that was in my mind when I was watching the game. And yeah, Sarsic's distribution isn't amazing, um, and yeah, so you know, and Cottrell's very keen to play out the back. You know, if we're doing long balls and not keeping the ball, we're not going to play you know, good football. So, yeah, for me, um, I think that's quite an interesting one. And maybe mm. we'll see a different keeper come in. Um, probably not good for Harry Burgoyne if we do sign another goalkeeper. Poor Harry. Right. Pushing further down the, down yeah. the, uh, the pecking order. Oh, so what's, well. your, what's your view on goalkeepers before we talk about other positions? I mean, Sarkic is doing well enough. I wouldn't really mess about with it, but it's it's completely within the manager's uh, you know gift to do that. If he thinks he wants an experienced, contracted goalkeeper, and that's what he wants to do, I'm not going to argue with it. Um, be a bit harsh on Sarkic the way he's played in the last few weeks. He's got six clean sheets this season now, which is decent. So, um, yeah, you know, Frank Fielding is is a player that's played a lot in in, in a higher level, and obviously will bring some experience. But I don't know how much how much is it worth unsettling the the back three and goalkeeper situation now when they finally seem to have settled. I don't know. So, I'm, I'm I'll be in, viewing that with 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 open eyes, but I don't I don't think goalkeeper is was my key position. To no, it's not a priority, is it? No. When you've got a player on loan, a championship level goalkeeper, I always yeah. say I do like the loan process of getting championship level goalkeepers in league one. I think works mm. well for us. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of other players, well, clearly we need some more central defenders because we've only got three recognised central defenders. Um, so we need at least one or two there, um, and then. Yeah, you could probably get apart from the probably the only positions you probably say well, Stott is actually goalkeeper and left wing back. Yep, I'd say yep. you probably need one of everything else: a striker, maybe a number ten, another another box to box midfielder, um, and maybe I don't know a better right wing back. I think we could easily get a better one than Miller and um, Josh Daniels as well. Not that I'm not saying they've done badly, but maybe there's a better player out there. And I think I guess one of the things I've questioned to you, Glenn, you'd assume with Keith Burt and Cottrell, you've probably got some faith that we're going to bring in quality. 
I wouldn't disagree with any of those positions. I've said what I think about ten. I, I definitely would look to put my my big eggs in that basket because I really think that would kick us on. But yeah, you're right. You know, left wing back we're fine. If Charlie Daniels goes, we've got Goldborn. You might want to back up to him. If Miller goes, you definitely need a new full time right wing back with a bit of experience. But it's difficult with those those two deals because we don't know what's going to happen with Daniels. Yeah, I was wondering about so, left wing yeah. back. We're really yeah. really solid left wing back if Daniels Char- does sign. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so, but it's obviously two players we've got, and we're trying to keep, isn't it? Um, so that's a bit of an interesting one. Yeah, I think I'd take another striker. I, I would definitely. What kind of striker with Cummings. would you like? So you know, the, the kind of you know, you've got different kind of strikers. What kind of striker would you like? Obviously, the obvious one is a goal scoring one, but in terms of like physical attributes or style, I, I like a doe, like a doe. Some some not not just another a doe because I think that's harsh. It knocking down the pecking order, almost like a, a tricky, skillful. Someone with a trick and a little bit of a, a, a kind of, I don't know, what's the, what's the word for it now? A flair player. A flair player, yeah. Because yeah. we've got the big boy, we've got Clark and Pike, we've got Wally who offers a little bit of that flair player player but is sort of waning in years and although he's doing fantastic, he doesn't have any backup to that kind of thing. We've got an Ado, which is more like the Faye, Pacey kind of run at them striker and, and sort of should be the poacher. So we've got quite a lot there, haven't we? Cummins is a sort of kind of a bit of a flair player in some respects and also experienced. So I'd, I'd like a kind of halfway between Ado and Cummings and sort of skillful tricky but also with maybe you know a couple of three seasons of league one experience under his belt and, and kind of knows where the goal is you know with a reasonable goal scoring record I think that would definitely add to the mix in terms of, of, of attacking options that we've got and and give us different options to play against different teams really then um so you know you look at someone like Kai Kai Ali last night he didn't have a really good game and he's not really an out-and-out striker but plays in that attacking formation you know when they play with a three and is skillful and tricky and, and did well for us and was a good goal scorer someone someone like that or like a Tyrese Campbell we had a bit of a well, trick and a bit me, of skill. He's, yeah. the, he's the kind of striker I'd like to see. There you go. I, I get the sense from watching um, Ado that Wally's runs shouldn't be underestimated no, um, in terms of creating space. So for me, I'd want someone who actually goes beyond um, someone like yeah, a Tyrese Campbell. We'd yeah. never get Tyrese Campbell now, but no. a Tyrese Campbell, <laughs> um, someone who's pacey and can go run beyond, so can basically cover Wally when he's when we rest him and someone who's got those legs who's going to make those runs um, into deep and has a bit of pace. Um, yeah, a, a pacey, yeah. Um, you know, a pacey striker who can score goals is obviously a dream for every team. Sokinabiri, um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to be Glenn. Well, there we go. If we had Sokinabiri in this squad, I thought yeah. I think um, I think um, I think um, Koch would be licking his lips if he had a Sokinabiri in the squad. Yeah. It's a shame. There we go. These things happen. So there we go. I think that covers what we think we need. And I think by the time we do this next podcast, Ollie, we'll have some answers to those questions. So um, there we go. We just update on predictions, Ollie. I went for us to draw 1-1 against Wigan. So smashed it out of the park again. You you and um, Alex Alex Crossan went for wins, but we didn't quite get over the line, did it? And obviously the next game coming up is Cruel at home um, on the 2nd of January. So who knows whether we'll be allowed there. There's apparently some announcement about tears again today. So we may not be at that one. Um, but yeah, it's the two form teams in the division isn't it we're both um going really well and both at the top of the league one form table yep so yeah you're, you're as you said glenn you're winning so you can go first oh I'll, I'll go for us to draw one one i think oh that's what i was going for as well oh. <laughs> i thought i, yeah, think, I, think, I think we'll win but um, no i think we'll continue the unbeaten run and if I'll we lose that. i'm not going to cry over my beer that's for sure um um, and I'll keep doing the same tweets after every game until we do lose. Um, but yeah, I think a one or draw would be would be would be all right. Oh, my mum and dad are here now. They're leaving. Hold on a second. No worries. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and and yeah, hopefully we go on to to win another game. Really. So it's been a long pod, Ollie. Um, yeah, hour and a half. But I think it was worth it. We got a lot to cover. And um, yeah, we'll we'll be back after the next game, won't we?
Yeah, so I yeah, hope everyone is enjoying all their mince pies and all their goodies <laughs> uh, before January comes along. And yeah, thanks for all the interaction. Um, it's been a good year. Um, yeah, we're going to be on the radio today, um, so that should be fun. Um, and also we'll share some stats as well from the, the podcast as well into the numbers because yeah, we just went over a, a figure today, which is good considering we had half the season cancelled. Yeah. And yeah, we've got some good figures. So thanks everyone for Fantastic. listening. Thanks for the contribution. Most of the time they're nice. Some guy was a bit mean this afternoon or this morning. <laughs> Let it go, on. That's, that's how it goes. Um, but yeah, um, thanks for everyone's contribution. And yeah, hope everyone has a great new year. Yeah, Happy New Year to everyone and we'll we'll see you in 2021.